Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Trinity Sunday is uh, always one that is a bit daunting for pastors because you say to yourself, well, really, what am I going to say? How can you plumb the depths of God's wisdom? How can you fully comprehend the Godhead of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but we're going to try. <laughs> we looked into it a little bit in the Athanasian Creed, and we see a lot of things going on here that uh, may be very confusing, but when you dive into Scripture and you see exactly how the Father works, how the Son works, how the Holy Spirit works, all this makes sense. When you see there are not three infinites, but one infinite, not eternal, but one eternal, that all three persons, while this is not logical, we can't come to this by our reason or by our own strength. But like Paul, at a certain point, we have to stop ourselves from having our own reason and fallen understanding dictate who we think God should be. And we should join in with Paul in saying, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. But of course, our sinful flesh oftentimes hears that and says, Well, it's a mystery, so let's just leave it alone. <laughs> let's just leave it alone. Let's just let the Trinity be the Trinity. Let's not really dive into it too much. So on one hand, you fall off of the side that says, let's not know too much. And on the other side, you can follow up and say, well, it's all about what you know. The reality is, is that to hold the Catholic faith, and again, that's really, that's the small C, right? That's not the big C, it's a small C. It's the universal faith. It is simply to worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in Unity, neither confusing the persons nor, the, nor dividing the substance. That it matters how we get things right. That remember how I said a couple Sundays ago when we use big terms like theology, you could have a long definition for it, but really what it means is how we talk about God. That the theology, how we talk about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit matters. And it matters because in this theology, in this God talk, is the knowledge of God's will for your life and for your salvation. It is eternally comforting and granting peace that surpasses all understanding. That our our, our Christian confession of the triune God is for our comfort and our consolation, ultimately, in those who trust in God. When you look out into the world, oftentimes you see something beautiful, right? We live in a very pretty place, the hill country and uh, plateaus and, and, and everything. It's, it's beautiful. It's hot, but it's beautiful. Uh, it, it could rain a little bit more, I'll say that. Um, but the thing is, is that there's beauty to be had in nature. But For us right now, we're very comfortable because we can look at nature while we're sitting inside in the air conditioning. We can see what's going on in the things of 
the world from the comfort of our homes watching TV. To see, uh, what is it? It was put out by the Discovery Channel, Planet Earth and things like that, the majestic beauty of God's creation. It looks really nice when you're sitting on your couch. Uh, but when you get out into the world, it's really harsh. I mean, stand outside for about an hour and you'll feel it, right? That what we do as fallen man is that we can look out into the world and we can say, yeah, there's a creator. In fact, we as Christians kind of say, how can you not think that there's a creator of all things? But the problem is that with natural knowledge of God, you only see so much. You only know so much that it's like going by a house and you see that that house has been built and you say, that house didn't just pop up somewhere. Someone built it. But you don't necessarily know who did unless somebody tells you, unless you see a sign built by Tilson or something, right? You don't know who built the house unless somebody tells you. And this is where we go wrong. This is where a lot of people nowadays are going very, very wrong in that uh, people are searching for God again. We as a, uh, as a country and a, a, a society and a, and a civilization have been flirting with atheism and with agnosticism for a long time, saying, well, there might be a God. I don't know. Who cares, right? But now people are saying, that's not enough. We want to go. We want to find God. They're looking for answers. But apart from God's word, they will look in all the wrong places. There's a story that I like to tell Uh, And I've told maybe the Bible study class here a couple times that when I was studying to be a pastor, you go away for a year to serve underneath the pastor uh, at a congregation. And uh, I went to a congregation out in uh, Valley City, Ohio. And while I was there, I was in the community. And part of being in the community was going to the laundromat because I didn't have a washer and dryer where I lived. So I had to go be amongst everybody else and wash and dry my clothes like everybody else. It was great. I loved it. I loved getting out and being around people. One time I got into a conversation with the woman that worked at the laundromat and it was at night. Um, She saw, it was really funny. She saw that I was from Texas and she struck up a conversation. I was reading, trying to prepare for preaching a sermon and um, we just got into a conversation. And I told her what I was doing there, that I was trained to be a pastor. And she's like, wow, that's amazing. Long story short, I found out that she was a lapsed Catholic. But now that she had rejected that, she was trying to find out what was real, right? What was true. And what she did was she said, well, she went back to her heritage. She was from the Russian steppe way, way back. And she said, so I looked up, I looked up what my ancestors believed pre-Christianity, and I worshiped that. And I said, wow, so you worship like pagan gods? She goes, yeah. She was excited about it. 
And she wanted to tell me all about it. And I said, so tell me more. What, what exactly is going on? Like, how do you do that? And she said, well, you know, you offer a bit of food here, a bit of incense here, things like that. And we have different gods. And she didn't go into a full explanation. She said, it's kind of like the Greek gods. You have the head god, and then you have a god of love, a god of war, a god of this, a god of that, whatever. And so... I guess I was playing the part of Columbo, playing dumb, right? I was like, so what, how does that work, right? How do you, how do, you do that? And she said, well, you know, you, you, you sacrifice different things to your God. She's like, we don't do like blood sacrifices or whatever, but we sacrifice little bits of food, little bits of this and that to our God for the things that we would like to have in that area, either the God of love, the God of whatever. And I said, wow, okay. So, how do you know if your God is angry with you? She said, well, bad things happen to you. I said, oh, okay. How do you know if your God loves you? Well, good things happen to you. So, how do you make your God love you? Well, you do the good things for your God. You sacrifice to your God. You give things to your God, or you do this, that, and the other to that certain God. I said, oh, okay. So... What do you do when you do all that you're supposed to do and bad things still happen to you? She goes, I never thought of it before. And I said, wow, that's terrifying. That is terrifying that you do not know whether or not your God is happy or mad at you unless something bad happens. And then you do all that you're supposed to do and still bad things happen to you. So it's very interesting that in... And it was great. I, it was kind of surreal experience in this discussion. I'm getting my laundry out of a big, big industrial dryer, asking her all these questions, and then stopping myself and saying, I'm sorry, I'm just asking all these questions. I've never met a full-blown pagan before. And she just goes, no, it's okay. We had a great conversation. And on some level, I think that's, that's very interesting that people are searching for God, but they're looking in all the wrong places. They want to find God, and yet they don't even really know where to start. She had an idea. It was the wrong idea. She is worshiping false gods. And I pray that wherever she is, that she has found a a good Christian church to go to. Because the thing is, is that by our natural fallen reason, we can't know God. We can try, we can make up little things for ourselves to say, yeah, that's what I think my God would do. But in the end, it's not true. It's false and it leads to eternal damnation. And so for us as Christians, we really should hold fast to the God who has been shown to us through his word. That he is the one true God because he does things that all the other gods don't do. He actually provides salvation. He provides everlasting life. Not because we've sacrificed this, we've done that, but because he has sacrificed himself. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come and he has lived the perfect, sinless life that you should live but don't. And in your place... He takes your punishment. He dies and sheds his own blood for you so that you wouldn't have to worry, 
so that you wouldn't have to be concerned with, have I done enough? Have I said enough? Have I done this? Have I done that? You can say, no, 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 no. God loves me because he tells me so. In his word, I can have full assurance that Jesus Christ has died for me and that I now live forever through him. And the revealed knowledge of the one triune God is richer than we can possibly fathom, right? The Athanasian Creed does a great job of explaining it. But the thing is, is that I didn't realize this until recently, there's two parts of the Athanasian Creed. The first part goes into explaining the Trinity in depth. The second part involves believing in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That we cannot believe the heavenly things until we are given the earthly things. Jesus says to Jesus said to 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 Nicodemus from our gospel text, truly truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. The only way we can actually grasp any little bitty part of the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is to first believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he has been made flesh, and that by his flesh we are now tied to him, that all flesh that believes in him has been joined together mysteriously into the triune God. Such a beautiful thing because it grants us eternal comfort and peace and assurance and grace. Not by what we do, but by what has been done through Jesus Christ. That each person of the Trinity does something. We're not going to go into everything right now, but in our small catechism, uh, the explanation is very plainly, there is a God, the Father, who has created us. There is a God, there is not a God, excuse me. This is always so tough about Trinity Sunday. You got to really watch what you say, all right? There is God the Father who creates us, God the Son who redeems us, and God the Holy Spirit who makes us holy, who sanctifies us, who gives us the faith to believe. And with all those three persons of the one true God, we are given that gift of faith. We are given His grace in humble means as well, that through earthly things tied to the word of God, we have God's grace delivered to us. In holy baptism, the triune name is placed upon you, that you do not belong to yourself anymore in holy baptism, you now belong to the triune God. You know him. He has been introduced to you. He is a part of you. And now, with that, we are encouraged to get to know him more, to understand his will, to understand who we are by ourselves. That Isaiah, like he says, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst 
of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. And we make the same confession every Sunday. We ask for God's grace and His mercy because we are sinners. And in making us holy, He doesn't destroy us, right? He cleanses us. He says, your sins have been atoned for. Your sins have been washed away. Your baptism has promised you that you are now clean, that you are now a child of God. But the triune name promises this, that an absolution when you are absolved of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that name is as good as gold, that you can trust it, that you can be reminded of who you really are now in Christ. So that when you come to the altar, you can sing with the angels, holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. We sing with the angels, confessing, worshiping the Trinity in, in unity and unity in Trinity. We do not try and say, well, you have to know so much to be a Christian. Or because I don't need to know everything, I can just toss it to the side. We say, no, God has revealed himself in such a way for our comfort, for our assurance, for our peace. To know that as creatures of God, we are saved by the Son of God and made holy by the Spirit. So with that, I will leave that there because we could say so much more. But with that, I will say as we gather to be given the body and blood of Christ, again, against all logic and reason, Christ is present in this heavenly meal. As we gather, ponder that mystery, that holy trinity, that God is here with us in word and in sacrament so that we might be able to say, glory be to the Father who created us, to the Son who has, who, has, who has redeemed us, and to the Holy Spirit who sanctifies and keeps us in the one true faith. Blessed be the one God that we worship in Trinity and Trinity in in, in unity, to him be glory forever. To him be glory forever, amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.